the Word became flesh. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Maybe those words are familiar to you. Maybe more so, um, not from the King James Version, which I just uh, uh, quoted from, but from a more modern translation, the English Standard Version, the ESV, which says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Well, that's the very first verse of Luke 2, which is most likely, anyway, the, the best known and, and the most loved account of the birth of Jesus. But it's not the only one. Matthew has an account of the nativity of the birth of Christ in his gospel, and there he gives us some more historical details added to what Luke tells us. John's gospel also contains a a narrative of the nativity, but it doesn't really come at it from a historical perspective, rather with some deep theology, and that's what we want to get into these next few weeks. And my plan is for us to become very familiar with the first 18 verses of John's gospel. Sometimes that's referred to as the prologue, and... um, I'm hoping we've become very familiar with it. It's going to be our gospel reading for these next few Sundays. It's going to be our sermon text for the next few Sundays. Maybe you'd even like to memorize it. I'd certainly encourage it. It's only 18 verses, and and maybe you can do it a little bit at a time. Each week, we'll have some of the verses on the screen for a good part of the sermon. We'll do that again today in just a little bit, and and maybe you can can start on it even even during the sermon today. So here's the uh, portion of the passage that we want to consider today. This is on me because I had it on and then I turned it off. There it is. Mrs. Mueller read these words before. I'm going to read them again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. And then John 1.14, which is really the theme verse for the whole series, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. Those are the the very first verses in John's gospel. To to start the message today, I actually want to go towards the end of the gospel because there John tells us why he wrote his gospel in the first place. So so we're going to uh, John chapter 20. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in in this book, but these are written, here it comes, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John tells us why he wrote this book, and we need to pay attention to that. It's so that you may believe, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We're going to head back towards the beginning of the gospel now. Uh, But we're going to take one stop on the way back to the beginning at John 3.16. Who knows what that is? 
Girls and boys, tell me what John 3.16 is. Very good. Well, you gave me the whole thing. I'm only going to give you the first line. I heard some others saying it too. Because there's two things we want to pick out of here. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So here's the two, the two things we want to think about right now. Jesus is the first and the best Christmas gift. And secondly, that gift was given to the world. I'm going to focus in on that word world right now, because that figures very prominently in John's gospel, where it's used more than 70 times. Almost half of the occurrences of that word world in all of the New Testament, almost half of them occur in John's gospel. So it must be pretty important. It's going to figure also uh, in our sermon series. The first three sermons, this one is talking about the word for the world. Next week, we'll talk about the voice to the world. And then in a couple weeks, the light of the world. And then three weeks from now is is a Connect Christmas. We're going to stick with John 1 there, but we're going to change up the, uh, uh, the focus a little bit. And there we're going to talk about grace and truth, which came to us, of course, through Jesus. So what does John mean when he talks about the world? Well, it might be easy enough to say, well, of course he's talking about God's creation. Look, we just talk about the world around us. And sometimes that's what he meant, but it usually isn't the case. Because this world is not the world that God created. That world was good. This world is not. Not anymore. It's so important for us to know that the world that God loved was not just the world that he first created, but the world in which we now live, which is a fallen creation, whose inhabitants stand in opposition to God. We're going to see that in a couple of weeks especially, but right now we get a, a hint of that in the very last line that's up there. Would you read that with me? It starts with the light shines in the darkness. I want to know that you know where it is. You see it? Okay, let's read it together. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, but the darkness tried to overcome that light. That's what we're going to talk about in a, in a couple of weeks. But right now, we just remember that it's into this world, this world that stands in opposition to God. It's into this world that the Savior came. Although in the first chapter of John's gospel, he doesn't refer to him as the Savior. He calls him the Word. The Word for the world. So um, I'm not going to have much more on the screen besides these verses. You're going to want to look, hopefully, at at your sermon outline there. There's been a lot of pages and books written about why John chose to talk to call the word or Jesus the second person incarnate, second person of the Trinity, to, to refer to him as the word. There's all kinds of Greek philosophy behind that and, and Christian theology, and, and I think all that might be helpful, but that's not what we're going to do today. I, I'm trying to make it easy enough for me to understand. 
And so I've come up, I've kind of simplified it a little, it's, it's still accurate. But let's think about this first of all. What does a word do? What's, it, what's the job of a word? Why do people use words? It's because we want to communicate. And so a word communicates. Although, not always very clearly. People can hear the same word and think it means two different things. In fact, maybe you remember it was just a few months ago, there was, uh, was kind of all over the internet, and we're going we're gonna to play it now. And tell me which word you hear. Laurel. 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 How many heard Laurel? How many heard Yanny? This time I heard Yanny. When I was uh, listening to it in my office, I heard Laurel, and then Mr. Reinert came down to show me what, what he was doing. And uh, we listened to it together, and I said, oh, yeah, that's Laurel. And he said, no, I hear Yanny. And then he went into some deep explanation of why that was, and I didn't really listen. But <laughs> cause, cause the point is, we can hear the same word and get an entirely different idea what that means. And the same thing can be true about God. And that's why he didn't just speak. Remember the, the first lesson that Mrs. Mueller read? In the old days, he spoke through the prophets, and, and people listened, and sometimes they understood, and sometimes they didn't, and God wanted to make sure that people understood. So this time he used a word that was more than just spoken. It was the word. And what the word does is also to communicate. Because, you know, we can know some things apart from God. We can know some part of the truth apart from God. We can know something about God by, by looking at creation, at the vastness of the universe, or the, or the intricacy and the, and the complexity of the smallest particle of the universe. And what does that tell us about God? Well, for one thing, it tells us that he's super intelligent, that, that he, could, he could do this and make it all work. It also tells us that God is very powerful. He just speaks things into existence. Imagine having that kind of power. Think of what we could get done if we only had to say it, and it got done. So we know a couple things about God just by looking at creation. We also know something about God by listening to our conscience. Conscience is that little voice inside our head that says, you shouldn't be doing that. Or this good thing here, you should be doing that. And what does our conscience teach us, reveal to us about God? He doesn't like it when we sin. So put those together and what do you get? You get a picture of a God who doesn't like it when we sin who is powerful enough to punish us when we do, and who's clever enough to devise all kinds of horrible ways to do that. All of those things are the truth. The truth about God. But they're not the whole truth. That's why he sent the Word, to teach us the whole truth about himself. 
we remember John's purpose, right? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. Who is the you that John is talking to? Well, you and me, of course, but not just us. John wants everybody to know these words, to read these words, to hear these words, because Jesus came for them as well. And that's one of the reasons why we've got these prayer cards. This gives me a great opportunity to, uh, uh, to remind you of this. I bet you know somebody. I, I, I just bet, not a gambling man really, but I just bet that you know somebody whose name you can put on this card. So why don't you do it? Right now or later, we'll have them again next week and the following week. So if, if you want to do that, we got them out uh, by the coffee station if you need more cards. But somebody who needs to hear the whole truth about God. Maybe, maybe they need to hear it for the first time. Or maybe they just need to be reminded of it, either because perhaps they've forgotten or, or just the, what, what they're going through in their life. Put that person's name on the card and, and then uh, turn it in. We don't plan to read those names either privately or publicly. We just want you to write it down. We're going to gather them all together. We're going to put them on the altar um, here and at church, and then we're just going to include them, not anybody's name, just include them in our prayers during this month. And who knows? I don't. Who knows what God will do with that? Okay, so we're talking about uh, the Word, what, what the Word does. Now we want to uh, remind ourselves of uh, what the Word did. So that gets us to the next part. I'm going to go to there right now. The Word, this is what He did. He became flesh and, and uh, dwelt among us. Actually, I'm going to go back one because I want to talk a little bit more about, uh, about verse 1 there. Three very important points are made there. First of all, in the beginning, this is what Mr. Cameron was talking about a fair amount. In the beginning was the Word. And Mr. Cameron reminded us that that's the same phrase that Genesis starts with. In the beginning, God created. This is a little different, though. Because John says, in the beginning was the Word. So don't get the idea that God created the Word because He didn't. From the beginning, or even before the beginning, the Word already was. In the beginning, when God created, was the Word. The Word was already there. Very important for us to know that. Secondly, this Word participated in creation. Also, this word is God's means of re-creation. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Now, what exactly does that phrase mean? You've got to take all three of these together to get the full meaning. The word was with God. God, was that kind of like name dropping? Like I could say, hey, before the service, I was, I was hanging out with the praise team because they're awesome. And if I'm hanging out with them, that makes me cool. Is that, you know, the word was hanging out with God, cool. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means so much more than that. More along the lines of to say, well, he's with her. It, means it doesn't just mean he's hanging out with her. It means that they are in 
a relationship. They're together. So also when the Word was with God, the Word was in, you know, how else are you going to describe this, right? The Word was in a relationship with God. But lest we be fooled by that and think, okay, there's this entity called the Word and and there's God, then John sums it all up and says, and the Word was God. So there's God, we know this is the Father, and the Word, we know this is the Son, and later John tells us about the Holy Spirit. This is Trinitarian. This is talking about the Trinity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, two separate, but yet one, and the Word was God. And then, to that last verse, here's what the Word did. He became flesh, made his dwelling among us. The fact that the Word is God is an amazing truth, but there's an even more amazing truth, actually two of them, that that John shares with us in the prologue. The more amazing truth and the fact that the Word was God was, was that the Word came to earth to dwell in this sinful world that stood in opposition to Him. And the even more amazing truth than that was that this world rejected Him. That's all the way through John's Gospel, and and we'll flesh that out a little bit more as we go along. But this, the fact that this world um, rejected Jesus didn't come as a surprise to him. The world rejected him and, and crucified him. He knew that was going to happen. And therein is his true glory. We have seen his glory. When we think of glory, we think maybe of some kind of dazzling display, or maybe like the transfiguration. John was there for that. Or maybe like Christmas Eve when the angels sang. John wasn't there for that, but he knew about it. That sounds like glory, doesn't it? And in a way it is. But John's talking about Jesus' true glory. The glory that we can see only with the eyes of faith. And that is the fact that that this word humbled himself to become one of us and to live among us. And that this word loved us so much that he went to the cross for us. That's his true glory. And lastly, we want to talk about what the word does. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's past tense. And pretty much everything that we've said so far has been past tense, except for verse 5, which says, the light shines, present tense, current event, not just past history. The light shines in the darkness. And if you want to hear more about that, you have to come back because we're going to be talking about that uh, for the next couple of weeks. And with that, I'm going to say amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.